Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. Mind your business. Only on Money FM 89.3. You're listening to Money FM 89.3 and time now for Mind Your Business with me, Lin Lee and Ryan. Ryan, did you know that about three quarters of the world's food crops rely on pollination by bees and other pollinators like butterflies and bats? That's right, Lin. But research shows that these creatures are increasingly under threat due to human activities and climate change. So what does that all mean for food security? That's definitely going to be an issue in no time if we do nothing about it. So we have to figure out how do we get around all these challenges. And beyond that, have you thought about what happens in indoor urban farms where there are no bees? Because that's probably Mm. going to be future, indoor farming. Exactly. Well, those are the very issues our guest for today is set on solving. Local startup Polybee, which devised a new way of using drones to pollinate crops, has seen promising results in its ongoing trials in indoor farms overseas. And they're looking to partner with more of such farms. For more, we're joined by Siddharth Jadaf, founder and CEO of Polybee. Good morning. Hi, Lindley. Hi, Ryan. Great to be here. And good morning to our listeners. All right, for our listeners who might not already know how your technology works, could you briefly describe how your innovation mimics what bees do and how close is the effect compared to that? Sure. So, you know, essentially what we've built is an autonomous solution for precision pollination that uses micro drones and AI. To sort of, you know, kind of describe the technology a bit more, I think the first thing to understand is what is the landscape of pollination as a process in agriculture, right? So Mm -hmm. if you look at the total farm gate value of everything that we grow in the world, uh, it's more than $2.5 trillion every year, right? Out of that, uh, there's roughly eight to $900 billion worth of crops that are fruits and vegetables. Now, what's interesting is that this is the fastest growing sector in agriculture in terms of farm gate value, right? Uh, Out of that uh, fraction of eight to $900 billion, roughly six to seven hundred billion dollars worth of produce directly and entirely depends on pollination so if we do not have natural pollinators doing the work for us uh, you know that much of uh, farm gate value of produce is at threat so that's the kind of you know um, impact to to assess here you know um, and and it's what it's what we got started with you know in terms of assessing the market size um, so out of that uh, you know um, sort of you know accumulative value of six to seven hundred billion dollars of produce Pollination can be divided into two types, you know, so there are crops which we call our self-pollinating crops and there are crops what we call cross-pollinating crops. And the distinction really lies between how the male and female parts of the flower are distributed, right? So uh, by definition, pollination is the process where you transfer the pollen grains from the male part to the female part. Uh, And and how these uh, parts are distributed is what leads to self or cross-pollination. Now, to give you examples here, you know, um, more or less, Crops are evenly distributed across these two types. So, uh, you know, tomatoes, strawberries, pepper, eggplant are all self-pollinating crops. And, uh, you know, uh, crops like uh, apples, uh, almonds, peaches, cherries are all cross-pollinating crops, including avocados. So what we have developed is a technology that uh, automates pollination for self-pollinating crops. And the reason why we did this is because, you know, the market size in itself is huge. And it's uh, a slightly easier problem to get started with. Right. So now let's look at how bees do this first and then see how te- our technology compares to it. Right. Mm-hmm. So 
as, as I said, you know, self-pollinating crops involve male and female parts being on the same flower. So what these do is they kind of, you know, go to these flowers for pollen, which is their food. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that process, they accidentally transfer the pollen grains from the male part of the flower to the female part of the flower. Um, and I'll give you an example of tomatoes here, right, which are largely pollinated by bumblebees. So what they do is they find these flowers, latch onto it, and vibrate their uh, muscles at certain frequencies, which is what gets pollination done. Um, so essentially, the problem statement is all about transferring sufficient energy to these flowers such that you shake the pollen out of the main parts, right? That, that's what we need to get done. That's what bees do for us. And we achieve the same objective by using drones. And what we have developed is a contactless pollination method. Uh, which exploits the airflow in the downwash of drones to vibrate these flowers at just the right frequencies. And, and and the important thing to note here is that this is not just any kind of airflow, right? So we often get asked, "Hey, why do you want to use drones for this? Why don't you just use a fan for for you know uh, this this kind of airflow and, and subject it to the flowers?" But uh, there's very specific aerodynamic and mechanical properties that we have studied here, uh, you know, empirically at the National Institute of Singapore, uh, and then we did much uh, you know a bunch of trials together with Singapore Food Agency to determine what's the optimal way to do this. Right. So that's that's basically how our pollination method works with drones, where you have autonomous drones flying around, detecting where the flowers are uh, and vibrating them with the downwash at just the right frequencies for successful pollination. Yeah, that's quite fascinating. You're literally shaking things up in this space. And let's talk about some of the trials that are underway <laughs> right now. In Australia and New Zealand, I understand you've got something going on since 2019. Why are you targeting that region and what's the sort of progress and results you've seen so far? Sure. So, you know, the the go-to market strategy for us is what we call um, controlled environment uh, agriculture, you know, um, uh, as as the first market to target. And that's kind of an umbrella term, right? That's something to appreciate here because, you know, we we might often sort of, you know, uh, look at CEA uh, as primarily indoor farming, but that's just one type of farming in that spectrum, right? The spectrum ranges from fully indoor vertical farms on the one hand, where you have control on inputs, climate and lighting, to high-tech glass houses, uh, which is, you know, a proven method, which is economically viable across temperate climates, and uh, then you have passive greenhouses or polytunnels where you have more or less uh, a shelter to protect the crops from extreme weather. And you have some degree of control on the inputs. Um, and uh, essentially, that's the kind of spectrum that we look at. So when we first started off uh, in 2019, we looked at indoor farming uh, you know, to build our technology uh, for. Um, and essentially, we, what we built there was uh, nano drones the size of your palm. Uh, which could pollinate strawberry plants in an indoor vertical farm. And essentially, that was the kind of proof of concept that we worked on initially, which which worked, uh, you know, in, in uh, various conditions. Um, but, you know, generally speaking, if you look at indoor farming as a sector, there is much growth to be seen yet, right? And and that's for a variety of reasons. Um, for, so for us, from a, from a startup's perspective, uh, we had to go find those customers with who we can have, you know, big contracts and recurring ones at the same time. And hence, we kind of steered further down that spectrum of control environment agriculture from fully indoor vertical farms to high-tech glass houses. And the countries where you find a lot of these glass houses uh, are, uh, you know, Netherlands, Australia, uh, you know, even in Asia, it might, uh, you would you find a lot of them in Japan and so on. So um, we picked Australia because I think, you know, it was just the perfect uh, kind of blend of the, the right conditions for us to get started. Well, number one is that you do not have bumblebees in Australia. It's the only pollinator you can use in greenhouses. And you cannot even import these bees either because, you know, it's it's a threat to the local biodiversity. Uh, it could be invasive. 
So a lot of companies have been lobbying for their imports, but, you know, I don't believe that will ever change. Um, so that's one. Second is that, you know, the glass house sector is growing really fast there. Um, and essentially what that means is uh, the only way for these growers to pollinate the crops is by hand. And that makes it a hair on fire problem for them, which, which is where the opportunity is for us. So we understand that you've not tested the technology with Singapore farms as yet. Is it because it's difficult to get traditional growers or farmers on board this new innovation? Or are you planning to do so in, in due time? Right. So, you know, uh, as it stands, you know, we, we are, of course, all aware of uh, Singapore's mandate for food security, you know, starting off with 30 by 30 as, as, as uh, kind of fleshed out by SFA. Um, but as it stands, we don't have big growers, you know, who have tens or hundreds of hectares of land where they're, you know, growing fruit crops that need mm-hmm. pollination. So, again, from, from a startup's perspective, what we want to get on the trajectory of is finding those big customers with mm-hmm. who, you know, we can sign six, seven-figure contracts in the near term um, and, you know, deploy those high-margin, you know, services and then, you know, kind of go further down that, uh, uh, you know, curve of adoption in terms of the type of customer that we work with. And that is what kind of steered us to markets like Australia and Netherlands. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just to Ryan's question on, you know, what the efficacy has been like, you know, so what I can share is that uh, we've been deploying our technology uh, since, uh, since the last year uh, at a sizable scale with some of the biggest glasshouse growers in Australia. And what we've observed is that the performance is at least as good or even better on many occasions across different seasons of the year for tomatoes in, in glasshouses. Um, and um, I cannot share more specific numbers <laughs> yet since, you know, uh, a lot of these deployments are ongoing. But what I can share is that our customers are asking us to scale up as, as every every quarter passes. So that that's a real kind of, you know, uh, I'd say a marker of success of the technology, its viability and also its robustness. Yeah, talking about plans, right? I understand you initially started using your own drones, but now it's possible for your partners to use off-the-shelf drones. So in a sense, is that a way to scale up, you think, um, being able to let people use that technology? Is that something you sell, the technology know-how? And also, what's the cost factor here for them to scale up in this sense? Is that a limiting factor? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, uh, the shift from using our own assembled drones to off-the-shelf drones was game-changing for us, uh, you know, because what we observed was that, you know, as, as a startup, it really allows us to focus on our core strengths, which is automation software, right? Um, and what that allows us to do is leverage existing, uh, you know, highly robust, affordable, reliable drones that are available in the market. And it's a win-win for everyone, you know, and I'll tell you why. Number one is, of course, for us as a service provider, it really allows us to focus and, uh, you know, uh, hardware is kind of almost abstracted out for us. Uh, it's great for customers because, you know, they have that confidence and trust in using consumer-grade hardware. They're not too worried about these drones not working or flying out of the skies or crashing into something. And then lastly, it really allows us to craft a business model that works for everyone, uh, you know, because customers uh, that, that we're working with today are CapEx-heavy businesses. So they, they prefer owning assets, which means they can purchase these uh, drones directly from the market, amortize them across a few years, and then what we charge them for uh, is a, a subscription fee for our automation software that runs on the top of these drones. Uh, so all in all, you know, uh, how, how it looks on their balance sheet is an asset uh, that is amortizing across a few years 
a service fee, which together is significantly cheaper than what they're spending on labor expenses for manual pollination. So that's how we kind of crafted this win-win, uh, you know, situation across uh, not just you know getting our technology to be more scalable, uh, but also crafting out a business model that works for everyone. Siddharth, so as the CEO of Polybe, I'm pretty sure you're looking to grow your business. Which other regions are you targeting, or hoping you can expand your business to? Our, our, conti- our you know, go-to market continues to be uh, greenhouse agriculture, which is you know um, pretty, uh, I'd say, mature in regions like um, Australia to a certain degree, New Zealand. Um, in Asia, there's Japan, there's China, of course. Uh, we're not targeting that market yet, uh, but uh, you know, in, in the West, we have, of course, Netherlands, where we have a, a pretty strong presence already. Um, in the future, we'll look at markets in Americas. You know, so Mexico and Canada are also regions which are uh, pretty, I'd say, um, mature in terms of control environment agriculture. And once we capture this opportunity uh, in in our go-to market, is when we will also start looking at uh, you know open field farms and crops. Uh, and I guess in that sense, we will continue to target those regions which are uh, pretty, I'd say, um, big in production in uh, in volumes of different types of crops as well. So we'll continue to focus deeper on on the crops that we're working on today, which is you know pollinating crops like tomatoes and berries. Go across these regions and then look at other high value crops in fresh produce, and then kind of you know uh, uh, tailor our technology for them. Right here, so wishing you all the best and hoping that your business takes off to even greater heights. Now, I've been sharing with Siddharth Jadav. He is the founder and CEO of Polybee about how his technology and drones is helping you know, shake up industry and possibly replicate the work that the bees do in pollinating some of these important crops. Thank you, Lillian Ryan. Great to be here. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.